In this episode of The Magic Kitchen, we're going to talk about living a mystical life and what that means. I'm Leander Witchwood. And I'm Elise Wells. And welcome to The Magic Kitchen Podcast, where we talk about magic, kitchen witchcraft, herbs, and everything in between. We are going to talk about living that mystical life and what it means. I know for me, this has been a pivotal point in my practice and how I practice. If I don't do the little things every day and even the big things, I feel off kilter and I don't feel like I'm living my magical life. I don't feel like I'm living my mystical life. So I like to incorporate simple things every day that help me dig into why I walk my path. What's the purpose? And there, there's always that catalyst of why. Why do we do anything we do? And for me, living that mystical life, that magical life, it connects me to the earth. It connects me to everything around me, knowing that my cycles are there, my ups, my downs, the whole spiral of energy is always with me. And when I'm having a bad day, my connection to my mystical path, my connection to the earth, my connection to my guides helps me realize that when there's an up, there's going to come a down, of course, but there's going to be an up right after it. And I don't have to despair thinking that everything that happens every single day is going to be permanent. And some of those small practices I do for myself every day are simple, like lighting a candle, saying thanks to one of my patrons or my guides, just observing nature in how it changes and how it grows and how it declines and the earth spinning on its axis. Yeah. Elise, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think a mystical life is a foundation for a full life. I think without the spiritual element in our own lives, we can't have the most we can't get the most out of life that we might want to and in the past year especially and for everybody in their own seasons we are reminded of balance like you said the ups and the downs and being aware that balance is the key and that is how it's going to always be is the biggest comfort it is the safety blanket of my practice personally knowing that that balance is always going to come that the spiral is always going to turn is the biggest comfort that I personally get out of my spirituality. And that's what keeps me so grounded, um, no matter how crazy things get. Yeah, definitely. So doing the small things every day is just that little little anchoring. Mm-hmm. You know, and they become the big things. So we talked about the small things you can do every day to secure your practice and to create that safety net or that security blanket for yourself. Sometimes you'll find, though, that sometimes the small things aren't enough. You need to do something big. 
You need some structure. You need some guidance. And we have with us today, Ellen Diona, and I am so excited to introduce her and her new project. She's the founder of the Susquehanna Mystery School, and she's bringing to us this amazing school that's going to help just solidify some things that I know a lot of people are craving. They're so thirsty for what she offers. So Ellen, give us some information about what is the Mystery School and a little bit about your faculty. Thank you, Leandra. It's wonderful to be here. Ancient mystery schools were secret uh, and basis of esoteric studies and worked with subtle energies and dreams and myths. And we are incorporating some of that into our curriculum. Uh, But we are a mystery school where, yes, the subtle energies are going to be part of it. And the person who lives or wants to live as the mystic. And what I mean by that is somebody who, who is experientially living in a conscious way, aligned with the consciousness of the universe, aligned with all that is, aware of the connectedness that separation is an illusion. So we're doing this through the curriculum of the Mystery School, uh, which includes um, work with subtle energies, which includes learning about astrology and the alignments of the stars and planets and their influence, which includes uh, dream work uh, and and, uh, a segment on loss and dying uh, and what, what the mysteries are in that regard. The green mysteries, the connection we have with the plant world, and the and that all of these realms are are actively wanting our connection, wanting our communion, wanting our uh, cooperation, and our uh, and our listening, so that we attend to them. Um, so that sort of encompasses some of what the curriculum includes. My colleague, uh, who is co-director with me of the Mystery School, the Susquehanna Mystery School, is Donna Alcorn. She is uh, has a doctorate in nursing, and she has uh, been a holistic practitioner of nursing for decades. She is a deeply spiritual person. We have both received um, a considerable education in both our Uh, our practices of psychotherapy, which is my uh, practice and the nursing for her, and then arrived at wanting to live the mystic life and deepen our spirituality. So we have have concurrently moved into that realm uh, coming from other healing practices. We are talking about the Susquehanna Mystery School, and I want to talk a little bit about spirit of place we're using the Susquehanna River Valley in a very incarnational way. We are living in a sacred place on sacred land. And to be aware that the land holds all of the energy of the history that has happened here long before human history, but the history of the human history of this valley, this great incredible valley with this magnificent river, Uh, is also a profound history. And it's all contained, embodied, if you would, by the very earth and by that river that is magnificent that flows through through this valley. So we want to bring in that incarnational element that we are not living 
uh, as a mystic on some spiritual plane, unaware or, or disconnected from the earth. No, we, we, want, we want the earth and a, a shamanic connection with the earth to be a deep part of the experience of the mystery school from which then one moves into activism or a, a sense of service in a community. I like that a lot, service to the community, because Elise and I have talked about that aesthetic many times about how we have this standard we're trying to live up to, this, you know, hermit in the cottage who <laughs> who can do whatever she wants, whenever she wants, and yeah, and doesn't have to conform to any societal expectations. But it sounds like you're trying to somewhat incorporate that so we can bring more of a mysticism to culture, to the current culture, so we are not expected to shove ourselves in the corner and be quiet. <laughs> That's how I've always seen exactly. it. Exactly. You know, exactly. Yeah. Um, we, it, it is also um, serving time away in a compl- contemplative sort of, of uh, renewal is important to the balance. And our culture is so driven. It is, uh, as one of my spiritual teachers call it, a, a, a a culture of pushers, of being pushed all the time to achieve more, to do more, to plan more, to, to even if to play, to play more, it becomes a, it becomes an achievement. So we, in our culture are not encouraged to become contemplative, to take time apart. But even the ancient hermits, most of them were not cloistered and shut away. They used time away and then return to the world to to serve, return to the world to teach, return to the world to to live among people and help heal and help create a better community. Yeah, that fits right where we are. Yeah, Yeah, that balance is is what I think a lot of people need to hear, especially right now where we have been what seems like forever. Like you said, I love that, a culture of pushers. I think that really puts the rat race into words nicely. Um, And there's, there's always guilt of even taking a day off when you're sick at many jobs. And there's the guilt of scheduling a full length vacation and a full length vacation in America is 10 days. If you're lucky for many, it's a long weekend. (laughs) Um, And so we, 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 we thrive. We strive to have that hermit experience at least when we can in, in a weekend or a day or taking a mental health day, however we can do it. But I think people need to hear how important it is to make that time for themselves so that they can be more productive when they return to society. Yes, exactly. And you mentioned, Leandra, you mentioned uh, a small daily spiritual practices. Um, uh, you can't, you can't, expect to spiritually develop without a spiritual practice that grounds you, that that helps define and anchor your spiritual experience in the the world. Um, I mentioned that we were going to be really understanding an incarnational embodied spirituality. Uh, And so time in nature is so critical. The understanding of the, um, of the, the reality of the shamanic mind view that that our connection lives and breathes through us through our very pores through our molecules the earth we're standing on 
the tree that's growing before us, the animals that cross our path, all, all our energetic imprints on our being uh, and, and messages, bearing messages for us. So heightening that awareness uh, through daily practice and through, through experiential development is what the Mystery School is about. Thinking about the mystical life, could you speak a little bit about the divine feminine and how that connects to a mystical life? We were very thoughtful, Donna and I, about how we wanted to frame uh, the mystical life. And we are so out of balance in this on this planet, in virtually every society on the planet, so out of balance with patriarchal dom- domination. And I'm not, I I don't mean that in a male bashing way at all. It's the fact of the predominant religious and political cultures that we exist in that have brought us to the place we are in in our society uh, and in the world. Um, And by that, I mean power and competition as as, uh, primary values in a patriarchal society, the denigration of women in all kinds of ways all over. But through the divine feminine, we can bring that back into balance through through alignment with um, with the feminine side of the entire universe, we can bring that back into balance. It is the feminine values that are archetypally feminine that we need to begin to live out of, which include cooperation, and mending and tending rather than uh, competition and and power and domination. Dozens and dozens of incredible female mystics that are available through their teaching and their lives for us to uh, become more aware of that in ourselves. Uh, Men and women, some of the applicants to the school are are men and we're so thrilled because developing that in men is so important and urgent in our culture. The hierarchical structure that the patriarchy proposes, especially through Abrahamic religions, which have been the foundation of cultures in the modern sense. And when I say modern sense, I'm thinking 500 to 800 years. So much of society is instead of saying there is the feminine, there is the masculine. It's instead a hierarchy of masculine up top, feminine below. And uh, that also makes me notice that it's similar with spirit as well. In a lot of Abrahamic religions, we're told that the afterlife, the divine reward is better, is more important than our time on this earth. Our life here is secondary. And I think that that imbalance is a key to a lot of people's disconnect with their purpose, with what they're here to do and enjoy in life. Absolutely. And that's emphasizing, again, the incarnational nature of the mysticism that we are working with um, and, and the devaluing of, of the feminine body has been in, included in that whole history for, uh, for almost 2000 years and, um, and more, you know, more uh, than that. So, again, aligning with the divine feminine brings uh, an awareness of the 
of the sacred nature of the human body and in all in all of its manifestations and as as we celebrate uh, our humanity through this embodied incarnational uh, experience of the mystical and uh, and lift up those values of of creativity and creation uh, and life-giving energy that are so divinely feminine. Yeah. So this is definitely a program that is cross-gender. I think every gender could and will benefit from a mystical life. How is this program cross-cultural? Good question. Partly because we bring in the shamanic, uh, which uh, we were we all eons ago we all evolved from shamanic cultures uh whether whether you are ukrainian or norwegian or uh, african or american or any of these places all have their shamanic traditions and shamanic cultures so that's one way we're bringing it in is to to tie in the um the ancestral the ancestral piece who are our ancestors? How can the ancestors be our guides? Uh, what were their cultures that we can um, we can learn from and appreciate? Um, so that's that's part of it is the shamanic piece. We are also doing the cross cultural spiritual uh, piece in terms of traditional traditional faiths. Um, there are Buddhist mystics. There are Taoist mystics. There are, I mentioned Sufism, which is the mystical branch of Islam, uh, and then Christian mystics, so that people can have, feel an, an attachment and alignment uh, through a traditional religion or a, an ancestral religion and work through that and, and form, your, form your whole experiential life of the mystical and living it out today. Yeah, I, I love the idea of culture because I, I think right now the whole idea of cultural appropriation is a huge um, trigger for a lot of people. But as a mystical person, it's it becomes very apparent to me, and I know many, many others, that as a mystical person living a mystical life, you realize that the boundaries of culture tend to fade away. Our spirit has lived many, many lives in many, 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 many <laughs> different situations and cultures and as different genders and different skin colors, you name it. So when we talk about cultural appropriation now and today, I look at it more as just being a disrespect to another culture. You're trying to take something for your own gain, your own benefit, rather than looking at the mystical side of it. I guess the mystical side would be the flip side of it, of looking at us as as stardust. I mean, that's really what we are. We're stardust. We're not something that just happened upon this earth and who we are now is all we've ever been. We are more than what we appear. And I love the idea of incorporating that. Like if you, maybe you happen to be Caucasian, but you, I, you are really drawn to an African drumbeat. Like maybe there's a message there for you. Maybe there's something there for you that that is speaking to your soul side rather than your physical side. What can you add to that, Ellen? I'm, I don't know if I'm clarifying it enough. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think you put it beautifully, Leandra. 
Yes, and I'm I'm sensitive to cultural misappropriation, and I like how you defined it as disrespect. Uh, without and with, without, you know, it's sort of the dilettante way of doing something where, oh, I like that, I'm going to pull that in, and oh, I like that, without having any depth uh, relationship uh, through through uh, some some depth association. Um, I've studied with several Native American teachers. And as I said, I apprenticed for two and a half years with um, an Amazonian Brazilian shaman. Um, And it was made clear to me that, first of all, uh, they were not sharing with the Anglos anything that was secret and and extremely um, uh, sacred to their practice. That would not have been shared anyway. Um, But if we want to think about cultural misappropriation, the religion of Jesus would have stayed in the desert in the Middle East because it would have been a misappropriation to take his teachings outside the context of his culture, his Middle Eastern uh, Jewish culture. So think of how much poorer we would be if if the teachings of Gautama Buddha were left in India under a, under a bow tree uh, or Jesus's teachings in the Middle East or Muhammad or African uh, uh, spiritual teachers in, the, in Africa. Uh, I, I mean, what, that's part of being human. That's part of why we're here is to learn and teach and share and cooperate. And through that, to begin to create from pulling together all the threads that have meaning for us and all of the threads of the history of co-creating. So um, while I wanna remain sensitive in that uh, and and certainly not disrespecting, I think that we have uh, in some places become too precious, excuse me, too precious about it, you know, as the British would say, and we we become too precious about it. Um, And I think part of the richness of human heritage is that we have the ability to um, appreciate and to integrate other other people's ways of doing things and other cultures' uh, ways of doing things. Finding our similarities together. I know my ancestors are Cherokee and and Celtic. And I know when they came over early days of, you know, colonizing America, when, when the Cherokee and Celts came together, they recognized a lot of similarities in each other and they started practicing together. They started sharing with each other. Exactly. No, you know, taboo about it like there is today. And I think we forget that as a culture, we latch on to some things that are, are a part of the a microcosm rather than looking at the macrocosm of how we got here, you know, why we do the things we do. So I love that you clarified that because I don't, I don't want anybody thinking that you're just taking and borrowing and <laughs> because I don't think you are, I don't think you, you have more integrity than yeah. I think that would give you. It, it's just, it's important to know that this is a sacred journey and not just somebody out there, you know, saying that they know it all and they're going to go teach it all. Right. <laughs> right. Right. And the, and the ways, the, the, the techniques, if you will, the skills of healing and so forth that I learned from, from apprenticeship with a Brazilian shaman 
were taught so that they could be used to, to help people in my culture uh, have the same benefits of, um, of healing and of wisdom from his culture. So at the Mystery School, at the Susquehanna Mystery School, what do you emphasize that can be taken back to our communities? Well, first of all, one takes back a deepened spiritual life. And and from that deepened spiritual connection, that becomes, uh, informs how you are in the world, then automatically you will bring back more kindness, more cooperation, more sense of communion with other people, um, more connectedness to the planet that we live on that is in such dire straits. So however you you would find from what you had spent in the nine months program of the mystery school is the avenue in which you want to be an activist. And I'm not saying it has to be somebody who's marching with placards in the streets. That's only one form of activism. It may be simply finding out what is in your area, a way in which you might have an impact as one human being in connection, maybe with a small group of other people on what happens uh, to help preserve the planet in your town or what happens, how you might cross cultural bridges to make sure that immigrants that in your community feel more welcome or a, a way in which you might want to serve in an education system that needs people to come in to help um, to help offer a broader a broader way of being in the world that might be in a strict curriculum helping with uh, helping with children who are are differently abled um, so that whatever from your mystical beliefs and your mystical practices whatever informs you in such a way that you feel compelled to serve through that. You know, Ram Das said, we're here to love, remember, and serve. To love, remember, and serve. And I think, I think certainly we are here to love each other. You know, love one another, Jesus said. Why else would we be here? And that includes, and it included for him, um, all of the beings, all of the beings. And you mentioned we're, we're, we're made of stardust. We're made of seawater and stardust. And the seawater, they're beings in the sea that's being, that's being compromised by human, human uh, activity. So that whales are becoming endangered. So the dolphins are becoming endangered. So that's, you know, manta rays are becoming endangered by plastic particles and so forth. Well, Somewhere there is a place where you can feel committed to some action through your sense of mystical union with the universe. And I think that having a mystical connection to the spiral of life, to the cosmos, to the planet, to your fellow humans, I think that once you've solidified that within yourself, you start to make small changes that become big changes that you might not even consciously be planning out. How can I give back? How can I be better for the earth? But once you start, just to take your example of the ocean and, and the, the poor creatures that are the victims of our follies, we 
when we internalize that and we make that part of our understanding, we're more likely to not buy plastic water bottles, just buy one Contigo and fill it up at the sink. And we start making changes that our other friends and family will see, and they will start doing the same. And I think that when we look at how to give back to our communities, people get too wrapped up in the the publicity of it. They say like, well, you know, can I Instagram this? Can I, make this, uh, you know, something I can do with my friends? Can this be social? Is this going to make me look better? Is this something that I'll feel good doing? But so much of what we need to do for our community is small. It's every day. It's in our basic interactions. It's just by having a spiritual base for yourself, you will be calmer and you will be nicer to, you know, civil servants and cashiers. Like you will make your community better by making yourself better. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because you are, you are aligned with the divine consciousness. So you become more conscious of how you are in interactions with human beings and the planet. Ellen, how do you find inspiration? Oh, so so many ways in nature. Absolutely, um, I was blessed. Um, I was blessed to live 13 years in the wilderness in Vermont, off the grid, um, so that the intimacy of the land just um, profoundly affected my life uh, and continues to. I've been living. I've been living in the Susquehanna Valley for 16 years now. So I came, I intentionally left the wilderness because what it had offered had to be brought back to community. Um, So so that's part of my story and part of my inspiration that remains. Uh, I I love gardening. I love, um, I love, we we took over in the place I'm living now, some farmland that was gone completely to thistles with that one tree on it. We've planted over 60 trees. Um, We have planted um, uh, habitat for birds and small creatures. The deer come into our yard. Uh, And so, so there's a a community even already here through, through that, um, that labor of love, which has become an inspiration. Uh, I read I read scripture from a variety of of sources. Uh, the Tao Te Ching. Um, I read uh, Gospel of Mary Magdalene is very dear to my heart, as is the Gospel of Thomas from Buddhist writings. So again, there's that cross cultural piece for me. Poetry. I can't. Several poets are um, from from Mary Oliver to David White to John O'Donohue are huge also a source of inspiration and writing poetry and I journal. So all those things are, are, are sustaining, bring balance as well as are inspiring. How have your pilgrimages to Ireland, how have those helped your inspiration? That's a great question. My husband and I first traveled to Ireland in 2000. Um, I am, I have a deep, rich uh, Celtic heritage, Scottish and and Irish, predominantly Irish. And my son uh, married an Irish woman. And so we traveled to Ireland in 2000 for their wedding. And I felt like I'd come home. I had no idea 
Um, it was the people, yes, but it was the land. It was the it was the love of the people for that land and the land. Talk about mystical, Ireland, uh, Ireland, Wales, Cornwall, all of which I've been to, um, uh, just has this incredible mystical quality from from ancient civilizations that were pre-Christian through the early Christian spirituality, which um, was very influenced by the Druid tradition in Celtic spirituality. So I traveled back uh, several times uh, with my husband and then began leading pilgrimages. And um, it just is a land that is is so imbued with that, um, with a mystical awareness of, of that cosmic wholeness and, uh, and this amazing amazing history and tradition of deep spiritual cultures that have have embraced and embodied that land. Um, so it, it, it's, you know, it's been called the magical isle. It, it really feels that way to me. I love taking people there so they can steep in that sort of um, tradition and the and walk among the stones and the and feel the conversation with the stones, with the with the earth. Uh, with the sky, which is huge, um, and the elements, you know, the fearlessness and fierceness of, of the uh, wild winds from the sea and, uh, and even the rain and where the, where the sea meets the earth and these incredible cliffs. And so uh, it's part of my giving, really, to, to, to take people back. And there's so many people in our, in our uh, country who have Celtic roots and and so giving them the gift of, of understanding that deep connection of the, of the Celtic, the Celtic spirituality. I'm hoping to expand from, from Ireland into Wales and Cornwall. Um, I, I'm working on that, but right now I'm still just taking people to Ireland an, annually. Yeah. I, and I understand that when I visited uh, Scotland, I felt the same thing. Like I had come home. Like this was my long lost longing, <laughs> the place that you're always looking for, but you can't quite name it or put a, put a pin in, in, in a map. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's, it, that's where I think the cultural roots are important. What you talked about before in touching on it in the school is understanding our cultural roots because we are still connected by those roots. We're still tethered by those cultural bonds and it's, it's a, an incredible feeling to come home. I like that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes it's surprising where you find that home feeling. My father's side is Greek and Egyptian, mostly Greek. Um, that's where we spent a lot of our time. And then on my mom's side, it's all Celtic. We're not sure exactly where I'm actually, I actually just decided today to order Ancestry so I can start figuring some of that out. Um, but that is exactly the feeling. Even though I've spent more time and more more closely. I have family in Greece still. So I visit them and that's part of my life a little bit more than my ancestry in England and Ireland. But I've been to England, Cornwall and Northern Ireland, as well as Ireland Uh and throughout the Isles. I think it really is, like you said, it's the collection of all elements so close. You've got the sea, but you also have these extremely rich forests and that's not often found. And it, it does. It feels like home. It feels hallowed. It feels like you're walking through and with the spirits of thousands of beings. I mean, it's that is so fantastic that you're taking people because I can't 
I can't en- enthuse people enough about travel. I think it is just the best thing for our spirits that we can do. Yeah. And I take small groups. I take only 15 or 16 people at a maximum. We have a small um, uh, bus or a large enlarged van that's, that's bigger than a van. And, um, and so it, people become really close to each other as, as a cohort, as they move through the landscape too, which is beautiful to see. And I integrate poetry. Uh, it, it's a, it's a literary uh, Irish poets and uh, and the landscape I use. So that is so amazing. <laughs> So Ellen, we've been talking about your mystery school and what you offer and a little bit about you and what you offer our community. Can you give us um, maybe a summary of, so anybody who's listening, if they want to sign up for the mystery school, um, when's the deadline and um, how they can get in touch with you? On our website, which is www.susquehannamysteryschool.org, all of the contact information is available there. Our deadline for application, it says in that on our website is May 15th, we start our first weekend, the last weekend of June, which we will be celebrating a little bit from the solstice energy, as well as um, midsummer in in the Celtic and and British tradition, um, the the 24th of June is midsummer day. I want to say a little too about the Susquehanna River and about being propelled a little bit mystically. This was a vision and a dream. My home is at 444 feet above sea level. The Susquehanna River is 444 miles long. And the retreat center where we are going to be holding the classes uh, of the Susquehanna Mystery School is at Silver Spring Retreat Center in Mechanicsburg, Pennsylvania. And it is uh, number 444 Silver Spring Road. So when I found out all of those things, it felt like it was really uh, sort of meant to be. Um, vision. So, so I just have to share that because that was really, uh, really touching to me. Um, so the program consists of three weekends and The first weekend is the introductory weekend in June. Then in between, there is one Saturday a month that will be a day long. So then there's a midway through is another weekend. And that will be a Samhain weekend in in this starting in June. We'll have the Samhain celebration in the middle. And then the final weekend is in January. And so it's a nine month program. We started late because we waited for COVID to disappear, dis, dispel. Um, so we were planning and will next year start. Um, this, was, this was planned to begin from, um, from Bridget's uh, Celtic beginning at the beginning of February, the early weekend in February, and then to have the, uh, the summer weekend and then end at Samhain. So that nine months. So because of COVID, this first uh, year that we're doing the program, it had to be 
changed. Uh, but we're going to go back to that so that the second year we will start uh, at Bridget's Feast and uh, Imolk and St. Bridget uh, and then uh, end at Samhain. So, uh, so that's the cycle uh, or the spiral, which is how I love to, to put it. So that there are day long and then there are weekend experiences at the retreat center. We said we, I think on our website, it still may say that we were going to do Zoom, but since COVID has been alleviated with so many vaccinations, we are not going to do it on Zoom. It'll be, it'll be in person. I guess I want to emphasize, you know, that I do have a colleague, uh, Donna Alcorn, who is an amazing uh, teacher, and I'm so grateful that she's aboard uh, and that some people who may know Erin Schrader is also going to be doing uh, one, one Saturday teaching. Uh, and I'm very grateful. And I'm so excited about this whole adventure because I think it truly matters. Yeah. And I think it's the right timing for very many people. I mean, we were forced to adjust our lifestyles last year, this time last year. And for many people, I think it caused us to pause and think about what our lives look like. And I think this is, this is perfect timing. It's going to save a lot of people. Absolutely. And as I say, we have a limit of 15 applicants. So um, I would urge people if they are interested to get their applications in. The cost for the entire year is $1,800, which um, can be made in two payments at the, at, with the application uh, mid-cycle, the second payment. This this was fantastic. I'm, I'm going to be thinking about what we've talked about here today for a while. It's a lot to... <laughs> It's a lot to internalize. And I love that the way that you expressed a mystical life. I love that terminology. And I'm, I'm excited that you're going to be able to share that with our community here so deeply. Thank you so much for making this possible. I'm very grateful and, um, and hope to see you in real life uh, yes. <laughs> when everybody's vaccinated. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Ellen, for joining us and telling us all about your mystery school. For those of you who are interested in signing up for this school, please visit SusquehannaMysterySchool.org and you'll see all the information there. You can contact Ellen, get yourself set up, really get into that structure, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for joining me in this episode. Please visit my website, leandrawitchwood.com, to sign up for my newsletter and stay up to date on new episodes, articles, and more. Blessed be.